and happy Tuesday. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. It is the 12th day of March and uh, and we got some sunshine in California. A beautiful sunshiny day here uh, on the show today. I'm excited. I get to welcome a uh, historian, a trailblazer, a skateboarder, um, and uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. He's uh, a founder of Look Back Library and he's got a list of accolades as well, Mr. Kevin Marks. And, but I do want to give out a big shout out, uh, women's uh, combi went down this weekend, Saturday, Lizzie Armana killed it. Um, congratulations to Lizzie on first place. Uh, Sakura on second. Wow. She's really gotten amazingly good. Uh, and Jordan Barrett on third and just a big shout out to all the girls that are ripping this weekend and vans and protec, uh, for making that happen. I believe this is maybe going to be the last combi. For the girls, uh, with the new skate park opening up in Huntington, and they had a they had a skate as well on the on Sunday there as well. But now, without further ado, I'd like to welcome, and uh, we'll do a little intro music before. All right, and a little little teaser there on the music. He's a skate historian, a librarian, a traveling source. Uh, he's a skateboarder. He's collecting all things skateboard and magazines. He's and a writer. He is an entrepreneur. He's a businessman. He's a business a former business owner, a foundation or organization owner. Uh, he's a Catholic boy as well. And uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Kevin Marks. Good afternoon. Okay, and Kevin's got his radio voice going right now too. That was uh, that was nice. I like that. Welcome. Thanks so much for making the trek uh, all the way from San Diego. I know you're used to being in your van, uh, but this was uh, really really thankful uh, for you to make make the trek up here. I know it's not always easy and fun. Well, today I had to push things ahead. About one day, I was already heading towards Northern California, so I I. Uh, I crammed my schedule, got the van packed this morning, and now I'm I'm on a two week journey. Oh, you're thank you so much. You rock. I appreciate that. Making it work. Yeah, no, appreciate that. Now Kevin's got a bunch of rad stuff going on, um, but we're gonna I'm gonna we're gonna kind of get reset. I want you guys to learn a little bit more about Kevin. Uh, and without uh, before we start off, I've got a little gift for you. It is not of the magazine variety, however. It's kind of a cool piece of history that I was a part of. Um, and uh, this inside is the same. It's a little, a smaller flyer. But he's opening up a poster. Uh, Ooh. So it's uh, the Pool Rules poster. Uh, I was something I was involved with, with Hurley. Um, uh, a really rad show. It was, uh, had quite a few different stops. And uh, I didn't think you had that in your collection. I don't. 2006, yeah. Yeah, so I'd like to see all those names get together again. Yeah, it was a rad show. We we had it. Uh, there was uh, multiple spots. Uh, the show was, and uh, there's shirts they made, and it's pretty cool. And then there's a mini little, um, a, a mini little. I'm gonna say a flyer inside. Um, 
as well. Yeah, I give you two. Perfect. So that was for one of the shows. This was for the one that was at ASR. Awesome. So we had one in Oregon, uh, one at Hurley, and uh, it was against the grain. So thought you'd enjoy that. Thank you. All right, so let's get going. Uh, all right, Wichita to Fort Collins to San Diego. We're going to slow down the process here. Um, I I played, obviously, uh, and we'll get into that in just a moment. You're raised in Wichita, um, Catholic school. Um, I'm a fallen away Catholic. I don't like being referred to as a Catholic. I, I, I raised a Catholic in Catholic. See, I evaded Catholic school. <laughs> My parents always wanted me to go. And those are the ones I partied with when I was in high school. <laughs> uh, so, uh, no, but I, I it's, it's, there's some good education. And I think that some of your backing of the mission of what you're doing right now is about education as well, Absolutely. which is pretty cool. All right. Uh, well, as I said, Wichita, um, grew up in Wichita. Uh, were, I think some people might need to know where Wichita okay, is. Okay, let's, let's tell them. Geography class here. We're, it's knowledge is power tonight, today. <laughs> Wichita, Kansas. So Kansas is in the center of the country. It is the heart of the Midwest. What are some of the things uh, that you that make you proud from being from Kansas, from Wichita specifically? Well, I don't have a lot of pride around it. I don't. I don't uh, hide the fact, but it, you know, it's there's not a lot going for it. Um, I think there's some cool assets and aspects to being grown up to growing up in the Midwest. Okay, well, I, I had a very stable upbringing. I had a very safe upbringing. Um, didn't have to worry about gangs and uh, bullying. Um, so it was a fairly cloistered upbringing. But luckily, through Back to the Future in 1986, I found skateboarding. Yes, referencing again the song we just played was from the chase scene. Um, yeah, in September 1986, uh, as well, you picked up your first mag with Mark Gonzalez on the cover of Thrasher. Yeah. First picture you put on your wall from a magazine. Can't remember. You can't. I, remember. Or I, first I, few, or for any that you remember. I didn't put pictures on my wall. You I was very cognizant of keeping my magazines intact. Okay. And kept them in pristine order in my closet. And, you know, living in Kansas, I was so isolated from the skateboard culture. I, uh, my magazines were my lifeblood. The subscriptions, you know, whatever day of the month that Transworld would come or Thrasher or Power Edge were very anticipated days. And those magazines would be devoured, um, you know, not wouldn't be tearing them out, tearing the pages out, but I would just be going through them and reading them back, you know, page, front page to back page. and All the advertisements as well? Yeah, I was absorbing it all, anxious to learn whatever I could about skateboarding. Now, uh, I know that, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead of here for a minute, but you, your mom finally gave you the A-OK to build a ramp. Um, my question is, did you get... Um, the plans from Thrasher's ads. We'd built ramps through Thrasher ramp plans before. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. So started in 86. Um, this is in the 80s, obviously. So ramp culture was very, was very prolific. And um, that's what I tended to gravitate towards. The, the high-flying vertical action is what I wanted to be involved with. And... Uh, 
an eight foot ramp had had to come down and uh, through the getting finally getting permission from my mom we were able to take the ramp the wood from this eight foot tall ramp and bring it to my backyard and we built a 16 foot wide six foot tall kind of mid-sized ramp okay so not a mid ramp as per se an eight foot ramp was it made out of plywood Mm -hmm. okay those are always great with small wheels too i remember dropping into one uh, at uh, two in the morning once yeah, we weren't, we weren't we weren't the small wheels yet. Yeah, no, I mean I'm saying I'm 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 stepping forward to the early '90s, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything was plywood. Um, PVC piping. Piping. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, masonite wasn't uh, available because this was kind of from a time period when we would um, allocate uh, wood from construction sites. Yes. Well, no, and that's something that I brought up with, you know, I did this thing for Vanza last year, you know, and one of the things for me as a skateboarder, obviously slamming and getting back up and dropping right back in is one of the big, big things I've learned, but also being a part of. And if you wanted to skate, I, I, I did, I wanted to skate backyard ramps. I helped, I, I swept, I dug, I, I brought, I brought wood. Um, I brought nails. Um, I brought food. I brought whatever I could to contribute to be a part of. I could do put screws in on the flat bottom, but I didn't have enough weight to get them in the transitions. Um, you know, but being a part of and and that's kind of what you're talking about is these these were projects, and I feel the youth today doesn't have that opportunity. I agree. Uh, you know, it it takes some wherewithal to create your own opportunities and with so many skate parks being readily available kids don't have the necessary need i mean there's a certainly a segment of kids that are out building diys yes and and getting their hands dirty and concrete and that, that is uh you know, I don't think we can praise those kids enough. And Atita is one of those. I mean, the girl from India is from India, and she started building cement, not knowing what she was doing, even. And I thought, yeah, she gets it. Mm-hmm. She she gets that gift. Yeah. Um, so we, I uh, cut my teeth on building backyard ramps, and from the original six foot tall, sixteen feet wide ramp, we then acquired another smaller four or uh, four foot tall mini ramp that we turned into a spine that came off the main part of the ramp and then built on a 90-degree hip on one end, like over the course of a year. And this was a time when Mike McGill's skate park was going off in Carlsbad that had the very complex mini ramp um, with the hips and the spines, and that's the kind of stuff that after I'd kind of realized we had some, we had a couple of smaller vert ramps in Wichita, but I, I gravitated towards mini ramp because uh, I just – yeah, I was. I had fear centered around <laughs> vert ramps, and just didn't ever have the ability or the time to put in the to put in the work to get get good at it. And I didn't. We didn't really have a lot of local kids to look at and say, "Oh, yeah, that he can do a backside air. He can do a sweeper. Why? I, you know, I can learn from him." There was just kind of a handful of us that were just struggling to learn what we could and we didn't have uh, glowing examples of oh that's possible oh that's possible so um mini ramps is kind of where i uh focus my energies uh cassette player in the backyard yes metallica (laughs) i'm made twisted sister okay now dio that's more pool skating (laughs) 
Yeah, Dio was a little later. Yeah, no, that was, uh, I always think of Jody, uh, Jody McDonald for Dio uh, and pools <laughs> and pool skating. Um, okay, so, okay, you picked up this, uh, I mean, you've, yeah, you've got this rad sort of history and I, and I want to kind of grace go over this. So Catholic school until high school, then you went to public school? No, you went to Catholic school still. No public school till college. Okay, okay. And then you went to Fort Collins. Colorado State University. Or, yeah. Um, getting, I mean, what did you study? I studied consumer sciences and Spanish, and I kind of bounced around. Consumer sciences is uh, kind of the backwards engineering of a business degree veered, veered, uh, geared towards uh, consumer protection. And uh, I'd bounced around. I had been in watershed sciences. You know, you get it. I was kind of pushed into college. I didn't go to college on my own. My mother was very, you know. Recommended it highly. Yeah. Well, if you want to go to college, you, you don't take a year off. You go right out of high school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I did that, but struggled trying to find my major. What, what do I really want to do? I don't know. At a time when I I worked at the local skate shop as a high school student in in Wichita, which was also a sail uh, a sail shop as well or sailboat sailboarding sailboarding. <laughs> There's a quite a few reservoirs and a lot of wind in Kansas, so the the sport of sailboarding was, um, you know, in its infancy there as well. And the my old boss Phil ran a business called Paradise Sailboarding Company and that leased space from the local ski shop that, you know, during the summer they were very, had had space to have Phil have his sailboards in there. And then I guess around, around 1986 is when Phil started having kids come in and say, hey, you should sell skateboards. And he quickly got on that bandwagon and needed a kid to, you know, help him with ordering and could, could run the shop and that was, that ended up being me. That's pretty rad. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal uh, for an owner of a, of a shop to open up something that's new and foreign and then, and give it to a high school kid to sort of really allow you to sort of grow and well, to make it happen. I wouldn't say he gave it to me. He, he was my the mentor, yeah. you know, and I learned a lot about business through him and, uh, I'm still in touch with him today. He's, he's out of the skateboard, sailboard business for many years now, but uh, I still see him when I go back to Kansas. That's awesome. And what's his name? Phil Bursler. Okay. All right, if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Kevin Marks. You can follow him on multiple platforms, uh, but we want to send you them to um, Look Back Library um, and, uh, and Skate Launch, or uh, Launch well, or your own traveling. No, the, the best way to get a hold of me is through our Instagram for at lookbacklibrary or lookbacklibrary.org. Okay, okay, cool. Okay. All right. Um, okay, so let's move forward. So college, how, how did you pick, I mean, from Kansas, how did, why, how did Colorado State get on the map for you? Obviously your mom, you said, was sort of instrumental in this high, high suggestion for you to continue with school. Right. Um, Colorado um, I was interested in snowboarding mm-hmm. as well as skateboarding. Um, growing up in Kansas, I'd had a chance to go on a few bus trips in high school to, to ski resorts and 
gravitated to skateboard or to snowboarding very quickly. And so there was the, the allure of Colorado just being one state away. Um, and like one day's drive away, that was kind of instrumental in my mom's, you know, pushing me one way or another. And then I got into both CU and CSU, but okay. I, I was never a partier. And that C- was definitely a party school. I remember growing up. Well, yeah. So I mean, quote unquote. C- CU had the, the worst reputation of you, however you want to look at it as a party school. And so I was like, ah, I don't want to go there. I'll go to CSU. And CSU had an indoor private skate park called Fort Skate. So that kind of sealed the deal. And then that first year at CSU, you quickly learn that every school is a party school. There's mm-hmm. just a matter of you find your people and you do other things if you're interested, if you're not interested in partying. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Where did where, you, you ride at? What mountains did you get on the mountain? Loveland. Uh-huh. Copper Mountain. Hike in Loveland? Would you hike the path? No. Or just, okay. Just go to that that. Loveland ended up being the closest. Eldora, up up outside of Boulder, was closer, but that was smaller. I like the, I like the terrain at Loveland. Okay. And uh, well, you noticed the song I picked to start the the show off as well. No, no. Husker Du. Husker Du. Okay. Okay. All right. But um, yeah. It's, since I've been out in California since '95, I haven't snowboarded once. Okay. Cool. It was interesting to be in a in an environment where I could skate 365. And I always had issues with the driving and the lift tickets and everything that goes into making a day of snowboarding happen. Clipping? No. The Catholic boy, he was still going. <laughs> okay, uh, California. Boom. And we'll, we'll go back again, but from, well, let's stay in, let's stay in Colorado for a little while. Um, you moved there. You went, how did you graduate? I did. Okay. Bravo. Bravo. During my junior year, I got an idea to open a skate shop. There was a skate shop in town called uh, The Right Life, which was uh, more a lifestyle shop. They had skateboards, and it was the only game in town for skateboarding, but they had Frisbee golf and (laughs) ultimate Frisbee and hacky sacks and... um, you know, just, they played the Grateful Dead there. No, okay, but no, I mean, it was just like a college student shop. Yeah. You know what? What kind of fun things can college students do? We we carry that stuff, and so I I felt like Fort Collins needed a, a more hardcore skate shop, and so I opened one. Yeah. It was called. A friend of mine had a zine down in Denver called Move, and uh, I thought that was a good name for a skate shop. I asked him uh, if I could co-opt the name for the shop and he was down and did the logo and that was rich jacobs who's maybe some of you know through his artwork these days he's a longtime skateboarder and artist and zine collector um a very prolific artist as well yeah so he he's since did the look back library logo and uh we worked pretty closely together on on i mean he his knowledge his knowledge on 80s zines is unparalleled That's amazing. Now, I know there's also a little bit of Omaha uh, in your past as well, going to some, did you know Kevin Wilkins as well? Not not okay. until he I was mean, at Transworld. Okay, okay. So but many years later. He was in Lincoln. I, I did a first road trip to Omaha, Nebraska, okay. to the E-Concrete Skate Park to see Steve Douglas and Todd Prince do a demo. And, uh, yeah, that was my first taste of 
again, getting permission from my mom, building enough trust with my mother that she allowed me to, you know, that she booked a hotel for us in Omaha. And my, my buddy and I, Brody, we drove whatever, five hours up to Omaha, skated at the skate park, saw the demo, stayed the night, skated some more, and then drove home. And, you know, that was, I was 16. And so that was, that was my first taste of, of road tripping, you know, going to explore a different skate scene. Certain certain uh, ideals that had been open to me through the skateboard magazines. Mm-hmm. Oh, ooh, there's an article on Portland. There's an article on Boise. Where are those places? Wow, they've got cool ramps or whatever. Cool scene, yeah. yeah. It looks cool. I, I want to go check it out. So Omaha was kind of one of the first scenes I got to uh, investigate. Okay, awesome. Do you remember? Was there uh, was there cassettes at that time? Yeah, was there was there a cassette that was in that uh, in the, on that drive? Uh, I, I, for me, uh, music has always been like video parts and road trips. There's been memories. Have there are there any that? resonate for you well th- that would have been my bad religion fugazi i almost played bad religion to start okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay awesome all right uh so shop Skate business shop. owner yeah as a as a college student got overwhelmed pretty quickly i was undercapitalized and all my time was you know there's no there's no funds to pay somebody to work it while you go to school so i got overwhelmed pretty quickly and was able to basically operate for six months, close, close, liquidate and close without losing my, my ass. And, uh, and then I started my senior year and then got another idea that, Oh, the space is still open. We still need a skate shop. (laughs) I went and did it again, operated for another six months, got overwhelmed and then closed. And that was the, the, uh, end of move graduated had some friends that wanted to move to san diego and with rich actually rich jacobs was one of the guys that he and his brother and our, our friend grant guthrie was the foursome that moved out to san diego mm-hmm. we were we were tossing around the ideas of either going to seattle or san diego oh really see so yeah, not san francisco okay because the the other three were more into music, they weren't skateboarders. Okay, I was the only skateboarder in the okay. bunch. Really, I mean, Rich, Seattle Rich, makes sense, Rich obviously. Was. Yeah, so we were just where? Where do we want to move? And I, I graduated, um, but didn't have a real clear idea of what I was going to do with this degree. I'd only worked in skateboarding my whole life, and you know, which is a very short life at this point as, as a twenty-two-year-old. But um, I had some fears of seasonal affective disorder in Seattle and just so much rain. Oh, God, give me a break. And and there wasn't really much. And grunge, a lot of grunge music at that time. Yeah, that's okay. No, I, yeah, no, great. I mean. But no skateboard um, industry up there yeah. to speak of. And uh, San Diego had some. And so I'd been to San Diego during the move days I'd. Drove out to ASR a couple of times, and so I was a little familiar with San Diego, and so I steered the decision making to San Diego. And Rich was living in a Venice Beach at the time, and so it wasn't much for him to 
jaunt down the five to San Diego and we got a place in Hillcrest and I lived with those guys for a year and um, then found another place. Oh, and well, within like three months of moving to San Diego, um, I got hired at Tamiedo. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, during move, I was, uh, Tamiedo was a, one of our vendors. Mm-hmm. So we would, we had, we had a, t- a foundation demo come to the shop and I'd gotten to know Mark Waters um, through that experience of sign, you know making sure the demo went off okay and uh and so i had a little bit of an in they needed a mark was going to move out of international sales and then take over mike ballard's team management position and so the names from the past there yeah, yeah. so they needed uh they needed to hire a new international sales manager and i don't know how many college grad applicants they had but Somehow I'd interviewed once and got the job. And Did you, you know, interview with Todd? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with Mark, Todd, and this guy, Rob Valerio, who was kind of the general manager. Um, and, yeah, that was a good three years of learning the skateboard industry and uh, getting exposed to free stuff. Uh, oh, oh, you work at America? Can you send me some shoes? Oh, you need a board? I'll send you a board. The whole barter system that is so uh, awesome in skateboarding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, three years through the department quite a bit. Those were those were the Welcome to Hell, um, Rolling Thunder, mm-hmm. Big Wheels video, Zero, uh, Thrill of It All, were were the videos coming out of Tomieto during those three years where I was there. So I got to work with Ed Templeton, mm-hmm. Jamie Thomas. And pretty, Josh yeah, Beagle. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, in college, I'd been a vegetarian. So, this was a time, you know, Ed's always been vegan. Jamie was vegan at the time. And so, I was uh, extra psyched to work with those guys that um, had what I, you know, what I saw as principles. They, had, they, they stood for something besides just uh, being gnarly skateboarders. Yeah. How did you become vegan? I was going to ask you that. Um, or when did that happen? Well, I uh, in first year in college, I you know there's a lot of different lectures that you can go to, and I stumbled onto one by an ex cattle rancher named Howard Lyman, who had this huge cattle operation in Montana and had a heart attack and healed himself, you know, recuperated through changing to a plant based diet, and as he got more knowledgeable about the benefits of a plant-based diet he started to look at his cattle empire and go this this does not compute like i can't doesn't make sense yeah yeah and so he got out of the cattle business and has been an animal advocate ever since and through his lecture i you know i grew up in kansas i didn't really even know what a vegetarian was as a high school student yeah that's gonna i mean i didn't think that was very uh, fast food was exciting oh (laughs) What was your fast food go-to? Wendy's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I learned about public grazing rights and how, you know, these cattle barons can use our public lands and and not and just basically just let all these cattle run and denigrate the water supply and and it's all on our dime, you know, and we're basically subsidizing these 
rich cattle barons through our public public grazing areas and uh, that was one of the things that really stuck with me like damn that's that sucks that's unfair but what about like fire stuff though because that's also good for fire it's a good I mean the grazing you know helps keep down the brush which helps keep away fires if they're eating it fires aren't that big a deal in Kansas and a lot of places okay. I mean all right I was more concerned about all this feces in our water supplies. Uh, yeah, that would that would bother me. <laughs> and so I became vegetarian in 1991 and got a lot of fair amount of pushback at the house at, at the parents, and um, they didn't understand why, why I was being so radical. And um, now, were you full vegan, or were you no, eating was, eggs still? I was or vegetarian? Okay, in so you're eating eggs and cheese then still. Yeah. Okay. So I cut out animal product or animals, you know, meat, and uh, but yeah, I would eat cheese and eggs, and uh, and then that was so '91 until I moved to San Diego in '95. So '96, I moved in with a vegan kid named Chris Kohler, and so by by the time I moved into my house in January 98, I was vegan. I'd made baby steps, a lot of baby steps. Cut this out, cut that out, learn to read my labels more succinctly and uh, just have a, get a, a better knowledge of what is casein, you know, and um, just all those little things you have to look out for on the labels of the way they can sneak animal products in under different names. And, um, and you know, it felt good. I, I was... I was, my body was feeling proper, um, and I and I felt uh, good that I was making a change and, and that I was contributing in a positive way and in a way that all individuals can. We vote three times a day with our meal dollars, and um, not a whole lot individuals can do in our political system, um, but voting three times a day with, with where you spend your, your food dollars is, is something that everybody can participate in. And if enough people do that, you know, I mean, we're seeing it. We've seen it for the last 20 years as far as the increase of almond milk. and, and uh, Yeah, no, but the thing is that stuff is so overprocessed too, and soy products are not good either. Uh, you know, because they've been overprocessed, and it's one of the most uh, over... Um, it's one of the worst things you can put in your body um, unless you're tr- eating truly organic soy products. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's a misconception. So there's a lot of education. Cause I was a vegetarian from 85 to 91, broke my arm snowboarding mm-hmm. when I was competing on the circuit and craved meat. And so I, I ate meat, you know, because, but I, I love to, uh, my diet is more so plant-based uh, as well. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's there's constant knowledge. You yeah. know, with this being sustainable as well, like single use. You know, single use products and plastics, and you know, obviously the greenhouse Coffee gases. Products. The number one thing for the greenhouse gases is for is for meat, uh, is for the cattle, and so uh, there's a lot like you're saying that people can do. Mm-hmm. So, but let's let's keep. We're going to shift gears back to uh, which is it's awesome. Um, so, if you're looking for any information on being a vegan and uh, and some resources as well. You can hit up uh, yeah. hit, hit you yeah. up as well, right? <laughs> DM me. Happy to 
happy to answer some questions on those fields. No, that's cool. All right. Uh, so uh, San Diego, you get to San Diego, Kansas, Kansas, not Kansas City, Wichita, Kansas, Fort Collins to San Diego. Vision in these skate mags you have seen of all over the place, obviously in San Diego as well. What is it like? What was it like knowing you were going to San Diego? Well, um, I mean, was there iconic spots, you know, you wanted to see? Yeah, obviously. Roosevelt Junior High was going off. Uh, Missile Park uh, was the YMCA skate park mm -hmm. at the time. And Encinitas, Magdalena, YMCA. That ramp was fun. Yeah. That park was fun. And, <laughs> uh, but uh, one of the things, my biggest kind of realizations, like I've been through San Diego a few times, but. You know, San Francisco has the the reputation for being the hills hill bombing city, yeah. and a lot of people I didn't realize that San Diego has so many hills. You can't get from one neighborhood to the X without uh, without having Especially to go downtown. up a big hill. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we you know we had hill bombing from my neighborhood into downtown, and we would do this thing called the run that started up in Hillcrest and work your way all the way down forty blocks into downtown. Mm -hmm. Uh, zigzagging between First and Sixth Avenues, and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, just just starting to go to Missile Park because Encinitas was quite a bit further from where we were to, near downtown, and but you know you'd start to see Darren Everett and Chad Knight and Peter, yeah. So you, Eddie. it was just cool to start to see pros skate in the skate park while you're skating the skate park, and and. Uh, the weather was outstanding, and um, burritos, you know, and <laughs> pokies. And what, what was, what's the food? You said Wendy's in Wichita? Well, that was a fast food Yeah, restaurant. but what was your, like, I mean, what's the, I mean, meat and potatoes? What is, what is a, you know, San Diego people always going to come and have Mexican food because yeah. there's great Mexican food. The border's right there. Right. And that's what I transitioned quickly to Mexican food burritos all the time making yeah. burritos at home um and uh yeah it's only been in the last maybe five eight years that i've done a lot more with vegetables <laughs> right on do you grow organics i i do have some red kale and broccoli and stuff in the front yard nice nice i as well that's cool that, that's you know it's a function of how much time i'm in san diego these days no it's it is time consuming it's it's impressive that you do because i know you are in your van and that's what we want to kind of talk about as well as um you know you you started founded and started you're quite the crusader um you know what would you consider yourself a cataloger a bio biologist <laughs> an archivist a chronological um I mean, because you definitely have this passion to keep alive and educate the youth and people about skate magazines and the actual, you know, seeing the photos and holding the magazines. Yeah, that. that and you have an enormous collection yourself. Sure do. But there's like 12 years in there that I was a uh, distributor. Okay. So you want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, let's do that. Sorry. So I, I did three years at Tomietto. Okay was a little frustrated with how much I had to be in the office during this time where public skate parks were starting to um, proliferate and um, they weren't all that good, but Arizona, Oregon, and Washington were starting to get, and, and Colorado were starting to get some of the better parks. Mm -hmm. And I just really wanted to go out and skate more and 
visit these places. And Todd was very, you need to be in the office, take the orders, you, you know, that, that we, you know, he was progressive in a sense of we had one of the first companies to get health insurance for the employees and we had a certain amount of vaca- paid vacation days based on how long you'd worked there. But at the end of the day, you can't be gone more than a week, you know. And so I had a, a yearning to really be out there and travel. And so I ended up uh, qu- quitting and trying to develop this idea of, well, how, how can I get on the road? And so I bought a, a Westphalia and planned a trip all around the country um, and made a film called The Four Corners Tour. Okay, sorry about that. I, I didn't mean to jump ahead. I was just like, I want to make sure we get, okay. So um, made a film about five months living in a van and skating all kinds of different scenes all over the country, including a, a month in Europe. And uh, and then that, and having to, you know, that fall, you know, we, we traveled from, I think it was May to September and that fall we put the video together and then had to sell it in time for holiday and that was the beginning of my distribution company what what I I had to what what are these people going to write a check out to Mm -hmm. you know we just had one product at the time one VHS tape and uh I I was like okay uh what do you what do you call your company I don't know so I was I decided on overboard enterprises based off of kind of my desire to jump ship from Tomietto and get out and start living life a little bit more. And, uh, and that, yeah, so then had one product and then we had a handful of smaller board brands that we would distribute. I did this thing with a, a friend at the time uh, called Killing Machine Hardware. And, uh, and then through making the video, I'd met other videographers around the country, or Josh Stewart, and then starting to sell 411s. And over those 12 years that I did the distribution company, we, we never were able to get like a really huge board brand to distribute because most of those, as you get bigger, you don't want any more distribution. You want to focus on direct sales mm-hmm. to your customers, offer discounts to get people to order direct from you. And so... But one thing that I was able to kind of corner the market on was just being a one-stop shop for all the skateboard videos, and uh, dealt with all you know all the major manufacturers that made the big videos. I dealt with all the independent filmmakers that that made the smaller, more unique videos. I dealt with the regional filmmakers, international filmmakers, and uh, and. You know that's kind of where our bread and butter was, and then the financial crisis of 2008 hit. At the time when YouTube is gaining popularity, and a lot of the major board manufacturers and shoe companies were like, still have not recovered. Well, right. I mean, uh, yeah, no, it was huge. It was gnarly. But that that was just kind of this changing with YouTube coming up as discretionary incomes were going down. Everybody's continuing to skate, but they don't need to buy a video anymore. They don't need to buy a book about skateboarding. And uh, so we noticed a big dip in sales 
and then 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 the shoe companies and the board companies aren't even making videos. And if they are making videos, the price per unit is way down, or they're just giving them away for free, polybagged in the magazines. Mm-hmm. And so by 2012 or 2000, April 2011 is when I shifted and started living in the van. I bought a Sprinter that I still have now and would travel around. I, I liquidated all our board and hard goods companies and put 1,500 DVDs in the van and started traveling around the country at a just going places I wanted to go, skating where I wanted to skate, swimming where I wanted to swim, visiting people that never would visit me anymore because they started having kids and getting married. And uh, this is after a point when my mother had passed away and I was kind of kind of at that point of like get busy living or get busy dying. And, uh, and so I just hit the road and ran the DVD business out of my van for two years and you know, each each month that went by, it got harder and harder to make justify still doing it because the you're just you were just there's so little in sales going on. But it was a big part of my identity, and and at some point, uh, right around holiday of uh, 2012 is when I sent out the email like, hey, this is it. I'm shutting down. I don't know what I'm doing next, but I'm not selling things anymore <laughs> and was able to liquidate all the DVDs and uh, and then, wow. then there was a like a what if what or what, what now moment and uh, it might have been that year or the year before that my friend Andy Weiss in uh, Colorado who was one of my one of the guys that I would sell stuff to at his shop mm-hmm. he'd, he'd gotten out of his store called the market and sold it to uh, a couple of his employees, two brothers, and uh, it started his own nonprofit in Colorado. It was basically like a booster club for skateboarding along the front range of Colorado, and he rented a small warehouse, built a ramp, had a big magazine library in there, had couple of workstations where kids could build build their own boards do the creative skate program and then he would run skate camps in summertime he would do skate park tours with with kids and he asked me to be on the board of directors and you know being based in California there was only so much I could do but I would I would visit for sometimes upwards of two months in the summertime and work on special programs and that's where I got involved with the library. Um, that was my pet project uh, five, six years ago now, and uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd gotten to know different people um, in the magazine industry, amongst other, um, you know, manufacturers, and I started, and I knew a lot of shop owners from having the, the DVD business for so long. So, um, I was able to, you know, within six months' time of making a lot of effort into, you know, cataloging everything that was at launch, seeing what we needed, reaching out to people at Thrasher and Transworld and Low Card, and then other collectors. I started to find a handful of people that had massive magazine collections, but they weren't organized. Shop owners didn't necessarily have time to organize all their magazines, but they'd been 
been collecting them mm -hmm. since they'd had their business open, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had all this time. I don't have a, I'm not a business owner anymore. I'm just traveling around the country doing whatever I want. And I started to look back at my past on, you know, how important magazines were to me. And I've got this project at launch, you know, really flourishing. And it made me think and and at, at Skate Lab at the time, where Skateboarding Hall of Fame was, was one of the people we'd partnered with to kind of organize all their magazines, pull their doubles out, find out what stuff they needed, supplement their collections with mm -hmm. the, our excess stuff. And and Cowtown was the other main one that Trent Martin had a ton of magazines from operating Cowtown, multiple locations for 20-some years. I and didn't have the heart to tell you, but I had a ton as well. Being a photographer for the magazines, yeah. I got a stack. I got a box every every month, yeah, uh, and uh, and still have uh, quite a collection. Uh, and I had a, I donated it to Carlsbad Library. Oh, yeah. I, you know, back you know, I mean, I had to, I, you know, right. And Sadly, I didn't go to the landfills, uh, but uh, you know, or we'd hook up kids in this, you know, on skate parks. No, kids, for, we'd have garage sales and hook them up with mags as well. Like, no, 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 grab, you know, yeah, you have so, stacks. But. So now what I'm doing with the library, that I'm, it, it's always uh, just trying to get my name out there so that when somebody like yourself <laughs> needs to unload a lot of magazines, hopefully they remember or learn about what I'm doing and give me a call. And again, let's give your contact info. I mean, obviously hit them up on Instagram at lookbacklibrary or uh, lookbacklibrary.org. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got any magazines, any skate magazines, you, you know, even just if you and have it, any you're giving away, reach out to Kevin first. And it's, it's anything in print that's skateboard related. So books, zines, catalogs. And then we're also last in the last two years, we've been taking VHS and DVD. Oh, now that is that's also key. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Especially, you know, everybody knows the big videos. <coughs> But there's so many regional videos and international videos that that deserve some shelf space. So. I still have sponsor videos guys sent me. Yeah, we've got a like from Hansi Driscoll and yeah, I know. I mean, which is, and he's like, don't send it because the mail will mess it up. Could be. So, yeah. um, look back library. So the mission to preserve printed skateboarding material promote literacy, and build publicly accessible skateboard magazine libraries around the globe. Yeah. This is the inception point, as you're sharing about. What is your dream for this? It's what okay. do you see in 10 years, or what is what is the ultimate dream? Desiree, I've never been very <laughs> goal-oriented. I. Uh... You have, because you've gone, you graduated from school, you've got, I mean, you've been, I guess, graduated maybe, with no idea what to do next. It doesn't matter. You graduated, which is, uh, uh, you know. But but the questions of 10 years from now, what do I see? I don't see it. I, I, you don't have a vision for a, the future with Look Back Library that you would it's, wish. It's happening. It's organic. Okay. I, I can't say where it's, it will be in 10 years. No, I'm not saying where. Where would you like it to be? Where would your ultimate, like, where would, what's the... You're not going to give it to me. He's not going to give it to me. Okay, um, which is more cool. more libraries. We have about seventy libraries right now, and you know, for I'd like to have a, a library at a skate shop in every state of the union, and 
okay. every industrialized country. You know, we we just have a, we've got yeah about seventy in the states, two in Canada, and one in Australia. So, um, and and some more in development. You know, so it doesn't take much to have a library if you already have magazines at your skate shop and want to kind of solidify it as as an entity hit me up and i can send you a sign we take a photo get somebody to organize the magazine so they look nice presentable mm-hmm. voila you're in the look back library network it's that i mean it's that easy i mean if, so you're, I if could, you're should i could i could set up my own library at my house even though i don't have a skate shop yeah. i mean i have a skate shop but not really <laughs> yeah no i mean i work with paul schmidt i work with jamie thomas to organize to get them magazines they need um, for their collection, you know, there's there's certain people, private private collectors that I work with, um, and yeah, if, I mean, if you just want one in your garage, okay, I could help. Okay. Well, know. no, I've got I've got I'm such a collector. I've got so many boards and mags and books and signed stuff from friends and I mean and cards from friends I mean I've got a crazy art collection and skate collection mm-hmm. um, a really crazy one but you yeah. know it's so, not organized <laughs> it's, so getting back to the mission sorry, <laughs> away from Desiree's library you know? so, let's go back to the mission so historic preservation okay that sits on a fine line between keeping things in good shape for the future on one side and public access on the other side. I lean towards more public access, especially for this stuff. Most of our libraries are smaller. They're not all the size of Cowtown or the Skateboarding Hall of Fame or Launch's libraries, which have most every domestic magazine and a substantial amount of foreign magazines and zines and books. But most of them are only, you know, three foot by three foot or five foot by five foot shelf. And those only have stuff usually from the last 20 years. And uh, if the magazine walks off, it's not the end of the world. You know, I'm more interested in getting a, a good chunk of magazines in front of skaters, especially younger skaters that aren't familiar with magazines the way I am or people my age are. Okay. So, but, you know, then the, the older stuff, the more antique, the more expensive, um, the more valuable stuff stays in our larger libraries that have a little more security, a little more um, supervision, and, uh, and, and more space. They, they have to, uh, you know, have specific boxes the stuff from the last 20 years is all perfect bound and it slides in and out on shelves pretty easily without much risk of damage and uh but the the stuff from the 80s and 90s and earlier is a little more delicate needs a little more special handling yeah how did you put like a plastic do you you put them in plastic like board. holders or like a... yeah, they call it boarding and bagging okay so paperboard backing that Keeps it keeps rigid it solid, yeah. inside of an uh, acid-free bag. So now do you have an acid-free bag sponsor? I don't. That's that So anybody interested in... <laughs> no, that because that's something that's very important. 
Um, that is where we postage and and these bags and boards is is and gas is is where we spend most of our money. And uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about getting a bag sponsor. Well, I mean, you know, or you know, yeah, because that that's something that like that would probably be nothing for a big big company that makes them, um, you know, and to be it could, it's a write off if it's nonprofit. Um, and so, yeah, anyone out there? Um, <laughs> All you bag you manufacturers line, listening. Yeah, yes, you bag. Well, no, somebody somebody might be. I mean, because obviously we all, not everybody has the opportunity to just skateboard professionally or do uh, professional sports. Uh, or even if they have, they do something different. And their mm-hmm. parents have stuff and they have friends. Um, you've got a rad, you're, you're on the road again because um, we're running out of time now. So I want to, you're hidden. Uh, obviously, Phoenix Sam is coming up Uh Cowtown's Phoenix Sam is coming up uh, the 23rd and 24th of March coming up. And I know that's one of your spots. Yeah. So uh, the flyer just was released today for their kind of pre-party on Friday, the March 22nd, mm-hmm. where Ben Horton okay. is going to have okay. an art show. Yeah. The contest is 23rd, yeah, 24th, so, yeah. but like the, Con- the everybody pre- comes into town on Friday and they have a party and there's a Ben Horton art show, which we've kind of... Uh, tagged on to where we'll have the 41 years of the Ollie exhibit up. That'll kind of be an advanced screening. Um, we, you know, we had the opportunity to do that. That's a place where we'll get the magazines in front of quite a few eyes, uh, influential eyes. And uh, Reese Forbes and uh, Danny Wainwright doing demos as well <laughs> for biggest Ollie. <laughs> Sorry. No, they both have magazines in the I, exhibit. I'm but, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, the advanced screening or the advanced viewing is March 22nd, and then March 30th we start the the true tour, as it were, and it starts at Slappy's in San Diego, the Linda Vista location. And then we go out to Texas, up through to Minneapolis, where we're going to build a library at Familia. We'll build a, li- a small library at Escapist in Kansas City. Then we're part of the Decade show that's happening in Uprise at the House of Vans, sponsored by Vans, where if you're not, check out at Decade okay. um, on Instagram. That is uh, a charitable organization that does these amazing gallery displays of old boards. Right. And then they, they have a, uh, a youth-centered uh, charity that they will, basically all the funds from the evening We'll get donated to this uh, organization, and we'll have the Ollie's exhibit up as well at this event. But since everything for decade is centered around board graphics, we're doing a special presentation at this on on May 18th in Chicago that will be focusing on covers that have visible deck graphics on. Rad. On the covers, which oh man, as That's I started to dig, uh, there's a lot of grip tape showing on covers, not a whole lot of skateboard graphics, and especially graphics that are you know visibly visible with that aren't half scratched up and everything. So it's uh, it was you know every time I I pull a th- uh, put together a theme and then have to go into the archives to pull appropriate magazines for that theme it's always an education and again like with these with this special presentation that'll only be up at decade in chicago um it was like 
Well, no, you know why? It's because those ones with the board graphic were used for ads. Maybe that. No, I mean, you know, a lot, uh, you know, because you need to have the board graphic. They, you know, sponsors used to really want that, like back. Yeah, but they want sponsors also want their writer on the cover. Oh, no, totally. (laughs) But they want them on the cover with their board showing or if it's or, you know, um, regardless. Yeah. So that's May. May 18th in Chicago. And and then from there, we continue on our tour out to Orchard in Boston and uh, Cardinal in Norfolk, Virginia, through uh, Hunt Supply Company in Nashville, go back into Colorado, and then up to Altogether Skate Park in Seattle, and then down the West Coast, and hopefully be home in October. Rad. We'll see. Now, do you do this solo? Do yeah. you drive solo? Rad. What's, what do you listen to when you drive? Uh, local radio sometimes. I have a CD player. It's a, you know, it's a 2005 vehicle. It doesn't have... Uh, auxiliary jack for uh, my phone to plug into and uh, I find that on these longer drives if I'm not constantly listening to stuff it gives me a good chance to think and brainstorm and uh, write ideas down nice do you take notes auto auto dictate notes yourself on your phone okay I do as well email myself oh I just put them in my notes that's a good one that's a and this also, like, so you're heading, you're heading now on the road. Um, the kickoff for this tour, however, quote unquote, is at Slappy's in San Diego, the 30th of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 8th, you hit the road. You're gone. Right. Yeah. You're on so the, the road. So for- I've got two days to get to San Antonio to Alta Vista Skate Park. So Wednesday, the 10th, will be um, Alta Vista. The 11th is No Comply in Austin. 13th is four down in Dallas, and then I'm up into Kansas and Nebraska and Iowa and then into to Familia. So, again, if you go to our uh, Instagram, At you click, Library. On, click on the link. It's, there's an, a link to our events page, which will have all the updated dates. Um, I only have, like, the first leg through Chicago uh, of dates that are pinned down and the the next wave of dates that'll get me out to Boston will be be um, finalized in the next two weeks, and and then you know, and then two months after that, we'll figure out what exactly dates will get me out to uh, the Northwest and then down the West Coast. So, and then you know, and that's that's stuff that I'll be continually fluffing in our story on Instagram, and it's always available on our website. So. All right, awesome, and I'm running out of, yeah, no, and so you definitely want to follow um, at Look Back Library on Instagram. Stay tuned if you have a shop or if you are a collector. Definitely want to hit, uh, reach out to Kevin uh, and make it out to one of these wherever, whatever state you're listening to, uh, wherever you're at. Uh, you know, definitely want to take a look. At, go take a look at one of these, uh, these libraries and get inspired for your own shop or your own home. These exhibits <clears throat> are a fabulous time to. Bring in magazines to donate. Oh, another thing as well. Nobody, so it's it's rare that I find somebody that wants to sh- ship me three hundred pounds of magazines. Yeah. But if I can come to their doorstep and take them, or if they can bring them to one of our exhibits or one of our existing libraries that I'll visit at some point throughout the year, that's uh, that's the best way to get magazines to us. So you definitely want to hit up Kevin uh, in the Goodwill. Look back, library. <laughs> He'll pick up donations as well, which is great, though, if you're trying to get things organized or, or get rid of some things and, and not wanting to, at least knowing they're going into a good hand and will be used and shared. 
And I'll also say this, that depending on my time frame, I like to organize magazines. Oh, if, well, I'm going to have if, to hit them if, up. <laughs> if you're a collector and have all your stuff just piled away in boxes or bins and want to get them out onto a shelf or figure out what you need, hit me up. Okay. Uh, if I have time, I love, I love, I'm, uh, yeah, orga- organizing magazines is the name of it's the game. It's therapeutic for you. Yeah. And I, Bob, I wanted to ask you if you read as well, read books. Uh, not enough. Okay. All right. Short I know you read magazines. Pen. Okay. Uh, now, and sadly, we're running out of time. And, uh, you know, I'd really want to ask as well is, you know, Transworld released last week, the, the finishing of Transworld, which means there's only one skateboard magazine left. No, 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 no. In the U.S.? Low cards, Gate John. There's plenty of printed stuff out there. There's one Thrasher is the main magazine. Thrasher is the main. Thrasher needs competition. And they're getting it from international magazines and. uh, Not from Men's Journal. (laughs) Sorry. Not from Men's Journal, but from Free and Gray. And there's a a myriad of other magazines out there that people aren't as familiar with. Yeah, I'm just saying the major the major skate mags are and uh, you know and I love the guys over at Low Card as well. They're awesome, they, you know. Um, but the major mags, you know, and I because I, as as being published in Big Brother, Transworld Skate, you know, obviously the skateboard mag with Grant and Dave. That's why I left Transworld to go shoot for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, slap, Thrasher, um, you know, Big Brother's first spot I got published in, you know, and one of those is. Uh, Thrasher is the only one alive still uh, of those and skateboarder as well. So I have a skateboarder belt buckle as well. I Ooh. shouldn't have told him that. He might come and rob me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. That's a misconception. I'm joking. I, I, I don't have, sometimes people think I'm maybe a little heavy handed about trying to solicit donations. No, I, oh, I'm I totally, totally teasing get you. it. <laughs> I want you to keep your magazines, but. Oh no, I'm belt please, buckle. Yeah. Whatever it might be. It for me, if I'm trying, if I'm trying to get an invite over to somebody's house to see their collection, some people are a little leery, like, "Well, I don't have anything to donate," and it's like, "Okay, I, that's fine. I just want to see your magazines, man. Let's let's talk. Let's get nerdy and talk about your uh, your most rare magazines or whatever. Let's, I just want to see. I love seeing how people organize their magazines. I love it when they're front and center in the main. Maybe, maybe not in the living room, but if they have a bookshelf that is dedicated, if it be in the basement or in the garage or wherever, I just, uh, it's, I just, I totally get off on seeing magazines being displayed, and I, I love being around people that are proud of their magazine collection. So right on. Okay, well, we have run out of time. Uh, Huge thanks again, and I was totally messing with you. I, anyways, uh, so no, don't be scared. He's not. He's he's just. He, he admire you. Admire magazines. You admire the history. All, all skateboarding history. Yeah, all but. skateboarding history, um, and definitely want to follow this tour. Get out and uh, and go check it out. And or if you want to give some donations or just even share with what you've got, just to let Kevin see. I know he's hyped to see it. Uh, You guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. Coming up in the next few weeks, hopefully, Poppy Star, uh, Serena Morales, who is the Rams uh, Rams reporter, and she's got an awesome story as well. Mikey Taylor, and uh, I've got a list. um, John, John, 
Oh my gosh, my brain just froze. So we've got a list. You guys definitely want to follow the Desiree Show on Instagram at the Desiree Show or Desiree underscore Astorga. Have a dynamic.